I am a perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for this bird's eye view of the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible from the beginning to the end. In chapter 1 of the very last and final book of the Bible, Revelation, is a verse which states the following. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. I am sure that many of you have seen those intriguing signs outside churches or making a cameo in thrilling science fiction movies proclaiming that the time is near. This phrase underscores every person's insatiable curiosity about what is going to happen next. At face value, the idea of world-ending events is not exactly a comforting thought. Who wants to envision giant asteroids or global catastrophes destroying planet Earth? For Christians, however, the end of the world should be anything but dreadful. It should be something we actually look forward to. Because God has told us how this age will end, it is not all gloom and doom. The end of this age will mark the beginning of a new glorious one in which we will worship and serve God in sinless perfection. Our eternal hope as believers is intimately tied to the end of this world. All of our future hopes are laid out in the book of Revelation. Not only is Revelation the inspired word of God, it is also the only New Testament book that includes a special blessing for those who study and apply its message. It should be an essential part of every Christian's devotional life, and those who ignore Revelation are depriving themselves of a rich treasure of divine truth and those promised blessings that come from understanding that truth. When we began this bird's-eye view of the Scriptures, we learned what the purpose of all revelation was and what its objective was as well. Everything that God has done, and the entire focus of all that is contained in the pages of the Bible, is aimed at one objective, and that is to mature each of us, so that the fullness of God is at work in us, and so that we become filled and flooded with God Himself. All of the revelation that is given to us is necessary to accomplish this. And both the New Testament and the Old Testament make their unique contributions to this purpose. The Old Testament is a book of preparation. It is designed to prepare us to receive the truth that the New Testament brings which is the presentation of Jesus Christ. The New Testament is the realization or presentation of Christ. In the Gospels and the book of Acts, we have the presentation of what Jesus was, who he was, and why he came. In the three groups of epistles, the letters that follow, Christ is explained for us. The first group, is headed by the letter to the Romans. Nobody has any possibility of maturing as a Christian until he has begun to grasp what these letters explain, which is Christ in you, the great secret of God's working in human beings. The second group 
headed by the letter to the Ephesians, which explains you in Christ, the new body formed by the Holy Spirit, and how the life of Christ is shared by men and women of all ages in the body of Christ, which is his church. Then lastly, we looked at the word which makes all these mighty truths available to us, faith, in the third group, headed by the letter of Hebrews. This brings us in this final podcast in this series to the book of Revelation, the great fulfillment of Scripture. In this book, all the threads of doctrine which have been running through the Bible come together. The story of sin that started in the garden in Genesis finds its solution in Revelation. This is a book that frightens many people because they read of all these strange animals, frightening visions and amazing things which appear, and they wonder what it is all about. So many do not read this book. If you read the first seven verses, you will notice that this is the only book of the Bible which contains a promise of special blessing to those who read it. Verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Personally, I know of no other book in the Bible that is more simple and logically written than the book of Revelation. It is not a difficult book to understand, once you understand and use the key to it. In the first chapter of the book, the Lord Jesus appears to John as he is in exile on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea and tells him something. Revelation 1 verses 8 and 19 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. This is the key to the book of Revelation. The things that you have seen is what John sees and occupies the first chapter. Those that are is what occupies chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches, as they were then. Those that are to take place after this occupies chapter 4 through the rest of the book. Revelation is therefore a preview of the course of human history from John's day until now and concentrates especially upon the closing days of the age in which we live. With that key, the book will begin to fall into place. Not only is there a prologue in the first few verses of Revelation, but there is also an epilogue at the very end. John closes the book with a summary of its teachings. We will not have time in this podcast to go through the entire book in detail, but instead we will use John's own summary of what he teaches in order to help us understand something about the message of this book. Revelation 22 verses 5 says, And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The message of Revelation ends with the vision of the city of God. This is the last vision John sees, and that is how the story of man will end. John then begins his epilogue where he summarizes what he has written in Revelation 22 verses 6 to 9. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. 
And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. The speaker here is the angel that John mentions in Revelation 21 verses 9. And he mentions something important in Revelation 22 verses 6, which is confirmed by Jesus in Revelation 22 verses 16. In verse 6, the angel says, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the Spirit of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And Jesus confirms this in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. John is telling us one definite fact here. Jesus is the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets. And therefore, Jesus is God. The deity of Jesus Christ is the wonderful truth which John discovers as he spent time with Jesus during his earthly ministry. If you read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, this should be clear, and this is the overall theme of the book of Revelation. In Revelation 1, verses 8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Jesus is declaring that he is the beginning and the end, the A to the Z. There is nothing on either side of him. He occupies the whole of everything. Even in mankind's darkest hour, when all hope has faded and faith has grown cold, Jesus Christ is still God. John had this fact driven home to him in the most embarrassing manner in this book in Revelation 22 verses 8. Now this refers to what he did before in Revelation 19 verses 9 to 10. John wrote down this episode again with great shame. To paraphrase what John says, he says, I, John, am the one who saw these tremendous things. I saw the Lamb enthroned in glory, and you know what I did? I was so overwhelmed by what I saw that I fell down and worshipped an angel, and he had to rebuke me and correct me. He said that only one is worthy of worship. Worship God. The first principle or theme of this book is that Jesus Christ is the master of history. The second principle is mentioned in Revelation 22 verses 10 to 15. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, 
and the sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This is the revelation of reality, of things as they really are. Jesus declares this in John 8 verses 44. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus tells us truthfully that the whole world is filled with satanic philosophy, which is a lie, and it is very, very difficult for us as Christians to see that lie. The wonderful thing about the book of Revelation is that it reveals what is true and what is false, even though the true looks bad and the false looks attractive. Now there is something very interesting to discover when we compare the prophecies of Daniel to the prophecies of Jesus. In Daniel 12 verses 9, God tells Daniel something that is quite different to what John was told when he finishes writing Revelation in Revelation 22 verses 10. Daniel 12 verses 9 says, He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. But in Revelation 22 verses 10, God says quite the opposite. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. There is no book in Scripture that reveals the glory of God and Christ in any more splendor than does Revelation, and yet no book has been more understood and misinterpreted and neglected than this book. But verse 10 of chapter 22 of Revelation says that we should not seal the words of the prophecies of this book. It is very clear to me that if there is one thing God wants in regard to this book, it is that we must know what it says, and it is not to be sealed. Revelation opens with the letters to the seven churches. These seven letters give us a bird's-eye view of the entire church age from Pentecost to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Secondly, these are seven representative churches. They were carefully selected by Jesus to represent not only the spectrum of churches that existed in the first century AD, but also the spectrum of churches that exist now, in the 21st century. Finally, these seven churches were all real churches in existence when John wrote the book of Revelation, and these seven churches had the real problems and challenges that are mentioned by Jesus in the seven letters. I go into a lot more detail about these churches in episodes 18 through to 27 of my previous podcast series, Journey Through the Scriptures. From chapter 4 to chapter 22 verses 5 of Revelation, the book focuses almost entirely on the final seven-year period of this church age in which all the threads of history are brought together and come to a conclusion. Why do we need to know how many things are going to end if we may not be directly involved in the end ourselves? 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 7 provides the answer. For the mystery of lawlessness already works. Only there is one who restrains now until he is taken out of the way. We can recognize what is going on today only if we look beyond to learn how it ends. We must evaluate the forces that are at work in human society today in the light of what Revelation teaches 
so that we can tell whether they are good or evil, whether they are of God or of Satan, whether they are true or false. Some of them might look and sound very good to us, but when we read the result in the book of Revelation, we see that they are very bad indeed. Some of you might be asking why has God allowed this to carry on for over 2,000 years? The answer is provided by Jesus in Revelation 22 verses 11. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. This is God's historical method. He allows evil to run its course until its character becomes evident to all. There is a well-known saying, Give a bad man enough rope, and he will eventually hang himself. And that is what God is doing in history. It is necessary for evil to run its course, and when it does, everyone sees that God's judgment is right and just. This church age is growing more and more lawless as it nears its end. The reason why we behave most of the time is that we are afraid that we will get caught doing wrong. We behave because of pressures that are placed upon us, Human nature is like that. If law and government is removed, the true character of human nature begins to manifest itself and this is what explains all the horrors of the book of Revelation. God is lifting the restraints and boundaries which have kept man in line so that all the evil in human nature is revealed. Is the world getting better? Are men more tolerant and understanding? No. If Jesus Christ of Nazareth returned to this planet earth today, they would crucify him again and faster than they did in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. When Jesus Christ returns, it will be absolutely clear that the entire world is divided into two classes. In Revelation 22 verses 14 to 15 it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. There is a third great principle emphasized in Revelation that can be found in Revelation 22 verses 16 to 21. That says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. This final principle is the present offer of grace. Notice what verse 16 says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. This book 
was not written for the end of this church age. It was written for today, for the present hour. It is for the churches, in order that the church may know what its message to the world is. And what is that message? It is a single word that is used three times in verse 17. It is the word, come. What is the hope that the church clings to in this gathering darkness of our world? It is Christ. Jesus is the anchor to those who are living in the darkness of this world. The church's one message to the world is just one word, come. This is the total message of the scriptures. All we really have to say to men and women today is this, come, come to Jesus just as you are, without any attempt to correct or change yourself. This invitation is so simple that even Christians are offended by it, and so there are two warnings hung on either side of it here. John tells us not to add to the message and not to take away from it. In other words, do not add any legalistic conditions to it. Don't say that someone has to be baptized first, for example, and don't make any subtle subtractions from it, making it less than it is. To summarize, the three great principles of Revelation are Jesus Christ is the master of history. There is a revelation of reality and there is a present offer of grace. Each of these principles is sealed by a promise of Christ's second coming. Jesus interrupts his words to John to seal them with the promise, and behold, I am coming soon. And he says this twice. As we come to the close of this series of podcasts and of the book, and just like the letters of Paul, I join the Apostle John and declare a blessing over you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, be with all saints, all believers, those set apart for God. Amen. This is David Wiles, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the final podcast of the Bible, From the Beginning to the End, Episode 21.